0: Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Bible Thumper Podcast. My name is Patrick Hayes, your regular host, and today with me, all the way from Rosebud, Texas, was my former regular co-host, Caleb Jenks. Caleb, how are you doing this evening? I'm uh, doing pretty good. Good. Like being on like
1: being on here with an ex. <laughs>
0: You haven't been cheating on me with some other podcast hosts, have you? Have you started another podcast unbeknownst like, to me? Sounds
1: like we both just sounds like we both just came out of the closet. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, so tonight we are talking about homosexuality and the Bible. So Caleb, we've been going for almost three years on this podcast. And we talk about controversial subjects in the Bible. And there were a couple big ones that I remember when we first started, we were like making a list of what we wanted to talk about. Right. And, and homosexuality was an obvious one. Like, well, that's real controversial in the world today. And we're like, eh, it's done to death. Everyone's doing that one. And we said the same thing about abortion. I think it took us like two years to finally tackle the topic of abortion. And if you look back on our, you know, um, previous podcast, you'll find that episode on abortion. And today we are finally going to get into the topic of homosexuality. So if you are watching us tonight, just remember that you can comment on this live video. It is on Facebook Live and YouTube Live. Also, you can follow the podcast on Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, Spotify, Stitcher, Audible, TuneIn Radio, And if you have your smartphone, you're watching a video, just scan one of the QR codes on the screen and you can find your favorite podcast platform. Please subscribe and listen to us. With that being said, Caleb, do you mind if I jump in with a couple of ideas out of the Bible and then I'd like to hear your thoughts on them?
1: Sure. Absolutely. Go for it.
0: All right. So we have God's beliefs on homosexuality. Now, I know what some folks are going to say. Oh, how do you know what God believes? Or Patrick, those are your beliefs. No, I just happen to believe what God wrote down in a book. Keep in mind, what I'm telling you here is what the Bible says. When Caleb and I say, thus saith the Lord, we're going to read from the Bible because I'm not going to pretend to know what God thinks. I am going to quote exactly what God said. These are three ideas that have some overlap. Number one, there is no such thing as a homosexual. Did you know that? There's no such thing as a homosexual. There are only homosexual acts. Someone commits a homosexual act. Number two, no one is born a homosexual. People choose to commit homosexual acts, which God calls sin. Number three, homosexual acts are not only a sin, they are considered one of the worst sins. God called it a capital crime. That's the foundation. Do you have any issues with that?
1: No, it's interesting. When you, when you start talking about the way that God thinks about something or God's opinion on something, uh-huh. it's kind of interesting because God doesn't just, it's not like, well, we have our opinion and then God has his. God's yeah. way is kind of, he gets a little bit more, not equal say here <laughs> he doesn't yeah, get a little, a little more, more way. sway on his vote <laughs> because it's mandated he's the creator so when god says something is this is the way that it is regardless of our opinion god the way that god designed us and the way that god created sexuality to be and not to be um, ultimately it it's god's way uh, when it comes when it comes to the bible it's not god's opinion isn't isn't such a thing as an opinion it's just it is a fact.
0: It's a concrete fact. John seventeen seventeen, I think says, sanctify them by thy truth. Thy word is truth. Something along those lines. Right. So what Caleb is saying is that when we read from the Bible, we're not coming up with an idea like Caleb or I would have an idea. The Bible is what God calls it truth. So you don't take any issue with anything I said so far.
1: No, uh, it's the, the biggest issue there, probably what you, what you mentioned that is the most controversial issue is that nobody is born gay. Obviously, we'll have to get into that, but that would be probably more the most controversial thing that you said. It's, it's an undisputed fact. People realize that that Christianity is opposed to homosexuality, uh, homosexuality, the homosexual acts, but the, the fact that I can can refute somebody's argument when they say, well, I was born this way when I can sit there as a Christian and say, no, you were not. That, yeah. that is no, a very, yeah. What's that?
0: I said, we're going to get into that for yeah. sure.
1: So that's, that's probably the most important uh, thing that you mentioned there, I think.
0: Yeah. Cause a lot of Christians don't know how to have this argument. They don't know how to stand up for their position. Now keep in mind, if you don't believe the Bible then what are you even doing on this podcast? I mean, seriously. So this podcast is for Christians that believe that the Bible is the word of God. It's not words written about God. It is God wrote a book and this is it. Therefore, how do I defend this truth? How do I make an argument? How do I make a case for what the Bible says? And that's what we're going to get into a little bit. I want to get into another idea, and this is the other side of the coin. There are many groups that put a great deal of effort into convincing Christians that there is nothing wrong with homosexuality. Have you done much in the way of Google searches about this? If you try to find anti-homosexual arguments pro-biblical anti-homosexual arguments you got to go through a couple pages on google to even find them to weed through all the trash google stacks the deck trying to show us that oh yeah only these crazy people only a few of them really have these ideas there's basically patrick in colorado caleb in texas and a couple other wackadoos around america and other than that everybody's okay with homosexuality And there are actually lots of groups that try to push the idea that Christians don't know what they're talking about. There's actually nothing wrong with homosexuality. I was reading several of these articles from several of these groups, and I would tell everyone, don't even waste your time, but go ahead, get on there. I'm I'm telling you, this is what their argument consists of. Two very simple points. Number one, they cast out upon God's word. They start off saying and this is a, this is a quote from one of these one of these articles at the heart of the claim that the bible is clear that homosexuality is forbidden by god is poor biblical scholarship and a cultural bias read into the bible. They cast doubt on the word of god. There was another famous character that did that and that's a common page from his playbook. The second step is they outright tell you the bible can't be trusted. Continuing on, most Christians make these difficult determinations by studying what the whole of scripture says regarding a specific topic, exploring the linguistic, historical, and cultural context within which the words were written, and then putting these discoveries in conversation with what we know to be true of the character of God more broadly. what they're telling you is you can't just read the Bible and believe what the words on the page are saying.
1: You got to read in between the lines.
0: There's a lot in between the, the lines. And it continues. While the book of Hebrews affirms that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, our ability to understand and apply the Bible's teaching changes and deepens as we grow in our faith and learn more about the world. It's the same thing that these folks are telling us about the Constitution. Well, that was all well and good when they wrote it, but nowadays, ah, this is an old, dusty document that needs to be rewritten, and that's exactly what the devil said. That was literally the first argument the devil came up with when Adam and Eve were in the Garden of Eden. He's like, really? Did God say that? You can't eat from this tree? Come on. Did he say that? Have you heard the argument that the
1: word homosexual was not in the Bible until 1946? and That's when it got added to the Bible.
0: What do I care? The word dinosaur wasn't in the Bible until 1893. That doesn't mean dinosaurs didn't exist. That means that they didn't have a word for it yet. The word dinosaur didn't exist. the, The word dinosaur, you know, wasn't in the King James Bible. Okay, the word was invented in the late 1800s. Obviously, it wasn't in the King James Bible. That was, you know, translated and compiled and published in 1611. All right, so Caleb, let me... You want to go over what the Bible says about it? Just get right into the verses? Because I'm, I'm afraid that in America, in this country of horrendous biblical illiteracy, people might not have actually even read the verses. Can I go back to Leviticus and start at the beginning there?
1: Yeah, let's go to the Old Testament. since, since that's, That was the old mean God there. The New Testament, <laughs>
0: obviously, it's, one.
1: Yeah. it's all acceptance and love. And love is love. And we and,
0: all, yeah. love. Love, love, all love it's
1: all gay in the New Testament. But the Old Testament, let's go there.
0: Yeah. Caleb, let me ask you something. Have you ever have uh, now I'm going to ask you this question. I'm expecting it's a no. Have you ever been around a gay pride parade or festival? No. Have you ever seen pictures? Oh, yeah. Okay. Does the when you see those pictures is the first word that comes to your mind? Love. Because <laughs> it wasn't for me. Well, it was, it was. Fuck it. I want a bucket to throw up in <laughs> because of this sexual perversion that's taking place in public. It was It's ridiculous, this idea that, oh, it's just about love. Nonsense. It is about sexual perversion, period.
1: Yeah, we'll have to get it. And that's, that's your opinion, but we'll have to get it. As, <laughs> I, got some, I got some statistics that actually show that, that it's actually not the most loving thing.
0: To yourself yourself but itself, it but. is the most healthy lifestyle known to man absolutely right it extends your life expectancy yeah, exactly. It promotes healthy children i mean everything about it okay so let's go back to the bible leviticus chapter 18 verse 22 i'm going to read a couple of verses in leviticus thou shalt not lie with mankind as with womankind it is an abomination now that word abomination is not used often so when you see it your ears should perk up. That means God's real serious about it, that he really doesn't like it. This verse, just so you know, Caleb, because I know some of our listeners won't get their Bibles out and study this on their own. This verse is preceded by a verse that says not to sacrifice your children by burning them alive. Did you know that? And it is followed by a verse that says not to have sex with animals did you know that so anyone that wants to make the case that oh homosexuality isn't that big of a deal and the bible doesn't have any problem with it yeah every time it's talked about it is talked about the absolute most horrible wicked thing in the world but let me give you one more verse here and this is a few chapters ahead in leviticus chapter 20 verse 13 If a man also lie with mankind as he lieth with a woman, both of them have committed an abomination. They shall surely be put to death. Their blood shall be upon them. Here it is explained that sodomy is a capital crime. And this verse is in the middle of a dozen verses that all list sexual sins. There's a whole bunch of sexual sins that are forbidden Keep in mind, other sexual sins that are capital crimes are having sex with animals, having sex with dead people. Okay, That's listed right in there with homosexuality. Again, horrible sexual perversions. It's not a lifestyle. It's not a choice. It is a sexual perversion that is an abomination, and God said it was a capital crime. The reason I'm saying this, and the reason I'm bringing up how ugly it is, is to combat the idea that Christians say, oh, they're, you know, homosexuality is not a big deal. You can't find that in the Bible. Nowhere in the Bible does it give the soft sell that, oh, this is just one more sin. And, you know, and, you know. no, it's a horrible, horrible thing. That's what the Bible says. Caleb, your thoughts.
1: Well, you, br- you bring up a really good point there. And that is... Um this kind of, almost this rating on this level of, of different sins and how it is that we're so critical and picky about this issue of homosexuality. And, well, I should first say that I think this has been botched in the church, oftentimes, right. as many things are. There has been unchrist-like Christian response to this issue. Um, it is, it does bear a lot more weight, now, just like it did in the Old Testament, because, well, for multiple reasons, but because the consequences for this sin happen to be a lot more dire than other sins. It affects every aspect of your life. And so it's, it's, um, I do think that it's probably worth noting that Christians get a bad rap for the fact that we rate this sin higher than other sins. You, Everybody's probably seen the Westboro Baptist Church posters where people are standing out there holding signs to you that God hates gays or things like that, that are just yeah. meant to inflame passions and, 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 you know, start a conversation, even though it's very unchristlike. like, um, we do, we do. Let me ask you, something.
0: Have, me ask you yeah. something right there. Has anyone ever met the Christian that acts like that? I mean, seriously, I've met and Caleb, I've I met have Christian. <laughs> I have. I've met some morons where I slap my forehead and I'm like, oh, brother, please don't tell anyone that you're saved. You know, some of the, don't get me wrong. There's some of those folks in every group, but it's funny that that is the group that we are most often compared to. Yeah, exactly. Really? Because I, well, I I have, I've had the
1: chance to actually meet people from that group personally. Uh (laughs) So most people that's represented by a, uh, a picture on YouTube or TV or something like that where you would have been exposed to that um, if you go to any kind of political uh, political rallies that are that are around um, oh what do we do? what would I say moral issues that are, that, Christians that are served you're gonna have some of the fringe crazy people showing up and sure. protesting there and holding you know picketing and stuff like that and so I've been exposed to some of the, the fringe radical uh, people that I think do a just a, a terrible job of representing Christ, yeah. and if you look at if you look at Jesus and his tolerance and acceptance and his response, where you have the woman that was caught in adultery, and Jesus uh, doesn't cast the first stone at her when he clearly could have, you see him love her but still hate her sin. So I think the statement "God hates gays" is is a terrible statement to make, but God does hate the acts of of their sin. He hates their sin. He doesn't Can he agree
0: that God hates homosexuality.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. yeah of yeah. course. There it's you go. Abomination to him.
0: Yeah. Now, but, Caleb, I have a whole section and I figured I wanted to get to this at the end after oh, we yeah, cut case, Which is, how do we as Christians treat homosexuals and deal with this issue in our church and our family? Yada, yada, yada. Can we hold off sure. on the. Yeah you know, caveat of what we're supposed to do. Can we suffice it to say this much at, in the beginning, these are the facts. Every human is plagued by sin and in need of salvation through the blood of Jesus. And God wants all people saved. Yep. Is that enough to move on down the road as far as homosexuals, you know, and and keep in mind, folks, I'm going to use the term homosexuals often just because uh, it's a mouthful to say the people that commit acts of homosexuality. Understand, I'm not trying to say that anyone is born homosexual, that there are these people that, you know, can't help but do this. Sin. That, that's all nonsense. We, we made that point clear in the beginning, but you're going to hear me say the term a whole lot. Okay, so Caleb, why don't you give me your take when someone asks you about the issue or they bring up the idea well what about my homosexual uncle or nephew or what have you you know what about him how can you say he just wants to you know marry his husband and live a life and you know why are you guys so hard on him what's the what what issue do you take with these homosexuals
1: Well, uh, I think I think specifically because it was it was a political issue recently, uh, Mm -hmm. where the the Supreme Court was voting on it, and it it became a hotly debated topic. And that's part of why we (laughs) decided not to even discuss it to start with, is because we have seen so much response to it, and we've seen so many uh, inflamed passions around it. But the fact is, is I would look at it if it was if it was a personal friend of mine, and they were contemplating this this lifestyle. I would look at it just like somebody jumping off a cliff and Mm -hmm. I'm going to stand there and watch them do it. And so if I, if I'm, if I'm watching, if I'm watching Patrick, who I, I know to be a a straight heterosexual male and he's calling and telling me, Hey, me and my buddies decided we're going to go to the strip club and we're going to try to take a couple of chicks home at the end of the night and we're going to have some fun. I would feel like it was my moral obligation to not endorse his New lifestyle that he's informing me of, no different than I would if he told me that it was, you know, that he had found some some dude along the street we that did. he was attracted to. Sure. And of course, of course, um, it should be it should be mentioned here. Obviously, when we're talking about homosexuals, this goes for both men and women, men and women, and Yeah. It doesn't, yeah it um, doesn't and mean. the interesting thing when when I when I read about it, uh, the statistics are just as bad for women as they are for men. Yeah, Life life expectancy statistics and everything, the health problems are just as bad for gay women as they are for gay men, which is very surprising to me, or I should say homosexual women. So to me, I look at it as from a practical perspective, even if God hadn't said it. When God first brought this up, there wasn't studies and statistics on the pros and cons of the gay lifestyle. But God knew that it wasn't good for a man to sleep with a man. And he said, mm-hmm. don't do it. And he warned us about it. So that truth, whether we have the statistics or not, the truth is is just as true. But now, with the statistics that we have and what we do know about disease and about um, health, I would I would find it even if somebody wasn't a Christian, uh, I would not find it a moral obligation for me to tell them, "Hey, you can't be gay," because that's none of my business to a certain extent. Um, if they did that did that
0: just your audio line you're coming right through even though your video froze for a second up oh, and we lost him okay caleb's gonna rejoin us here in a second i'm gonna switch this banner over to something else because this is meant for a split screen all right we're gonna get back into the bible while caleb comes back to us uh matthew chapter 19 verses 4 and 5 <coughs> excuse me And this is what Jesus said when talking about this subject. Caleb, I'm bringing you back in. I'm just going over a Bible verse while we're waiting for you. Matthew chapter 19, verses 4 and 5. And he answered and said unto them, Have you not read that he which made them at the beginning made them male and female? And said, For this cause shall a man leave father and mother, and shall cleave to his wife, and they twain shall be one flesh." Both Jesus and all of scripture approve of no other sexual union than that between a husband and a wife. That's it. That's all you ever find in the entire Bible. And when Jesus talks about marriage, he talks about a man and a woman. And he goes back and he is quoting from, and we'll get to this verse a little later, because I wanted to mention the topic of homosexual marriage as well, since we're talking about the whole whole subject. But Jesus was quoting from Genesis chapter 2, verses 18 through 24, and we'll get there in a little bit, but When Jesus had the opportunity to address the subject publicly, he did not endorse homosexuality. He doubled down on the idea that the way God set it up was a man and a woman get married. That's the way it works. And that's why you never find an approved sexual union in the entire Bible outside of husband and wife. Caleb, you had a few other verses in the New Testament concerning homosexuality. Can you bring those up, and we can, you know, talk about those, and you can maybe we could explain those to the folks. Go yeah, ahead. so First Corinthians, yeah, do that okay, one. Go ahead. Yeah. No, no, yeah, do 1 that. First
1: Corinthians, uh, chapter six, verse nine, says, "Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate." or abusers of themselves with mankind. So this lists it, it lists it right in there um, with some of the, the other variety words.
0: of other sexual sins. Yeah.
1: And we the, also- the fornication the fornication issue there is something that the church should be at just as hard on as gay marriage and is just as we're just as uh, hateful and about that issue.
0: Just as much, oh brother, let me tell you
1: yeah, when you think about it, we're just as we we technically should be just as bigoted toward people that are committing fornication as we are towards somebody that's gay because it's the same. It's a, it's a sexual sin, it's, it, especially if they're living together. Yeah. Um, it's there's nothing there's nothing more right about that. Maybe the some of the pros and the cons are the they're worse if you know, as far as disease and some of the other issues that have been proven to be problems in the homosexual lifestyle. But as far as uh, morally and what God requires. Um, it's kind of interesting to me. One, I had a friend one time that told me, well, the thing is, is I've never, I was never really attracted to a woman. Like I never really, there was no, there was never a woman that I, that I wanted to marry. And I said, that's fine. Mm-hmm. God isn't, God isn't telling you you have to get married. God isn't, God isn't telling, you know, God isn't saying you have to be a heterosexual, you know, married person, but that still doesn't mean that you can be, you know, committing homosexual behavior with, with, an, with another man.
0: Or, fornicating with women outside of them. Those aren't options. And Caleb, I have, I had something I wanted to read here and I'm not sure if I put it down. So eh, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna search for it too long. We'll get to it in a minute. But the idea is that if we are going to remain single, then the only option is celibacy. That's what the Bible allows. And if we're going to be married, then the only option is a heterosexual union. But we're going to gonna get to that in a little bit. Uh, let me read the other verse that we oftentimes hear brought up, and that's Romans chapter 1, verses 26 through 32. And the reason that Caleb brought up 1 Corinthians 6, and I'm bringing up Romans um, chapter 1, is because, again, Christians will make the argument, well, that was Old Testament stuff. That doesn't count for today. Oh, nothing. There's nothing in the New Testament about homosexuality. Yeah, there is, and it's and it's obvious. Uh, verse 26. For this cause God gave them up unto vile affections. For even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature, and likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust one toward another, men with men, working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was meet. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. Being filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, Without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, in, uh, implacable, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. So there again in the New Testament, it not only condemns homosexual acts, but it reiterates that they are still capital crimes. They are worthy of death. They not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them, knowing the judgment of God that they which commit such things are worthy of death. The Bible from cover to Cover is, it's very clear on the subject. I don't think you can really get away from it. So I wanted to talk about some logical arguments, biological arguments, things like that. Uh, do you want to kick it off with some statistics? Because we have way too many people watching this live video, and I want to knock that number down to about 50%. So if you could come in with some statistics, we might have a chance of running off half our audience.
1: Well, the the first statistics, which um, I think comes in right here on verse 32, and what you just read, it says, uh, who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. So statistically, uh, most people that are promoting homosexual behavior in the United States are are celebrating this as a great noble cause, but they themselves aren't actually gay. Yep. And so here we here we have. Um, I think this would would say that that if we take pleasure in somebody that's doing these these gay acts, these homosexual acts, um, we should probably we should probably consider that I'm not saying it's an equal sin but it's it's not just like we're watching our friend jump off a cliff and we're not stopping them but I think it's a sin in and of itself for us as Christians to try to promote this and defend it with a biblical basis absolutely because the fact is the fact is is that I, I believe the statistics are currently less than three percent of the population in the United States is homosexual so it's it's very few people that actually it, it they are a extreme minority, uh, you know, people that actually are are homosexual. However, um, people that promote it, I believe the statistics on this used to be about 30, 30% of people thought that it was immoral, and now, rather than it being, I'm sorry, 30% of people supported it in the United States, and now it's completely switched. It's over 80% um, promoted. So there's a lot of people that are promoting Homosexual lifestyle and are repeating the lies and repeating the propaganda about it that they themselves aren't necessarily homosexual But they're contributing contributing to the problem specifically I I take issue this with this when it when they start coming after our children and they start trying to push their agenda on our children That's a problem Um, So a couple of statistics here that are that are very scary is is worldwide You're 200% more likely to commit suicide if you're gay now this is oftentimes blamed on Christians because we're intolerant. We're the bigots and we're the reason that they want to kill themselves is because they haven't, we're not including them enough. We're we're not inclusive. We're, we're, we're hateful. And so an interesting uh, statistic on this.
0: Let me, hold on. Let me. So the problem is that we are making life so terrible for the LBGT, whatever community Mm -hmm. that, their only option is to off themselves. Yeah. I was not aware that I had such influence and sway over America. That's, yeah, well, no, that's, well, to find out.
1: It's a whole, it's it's supposedly, it's a whole culture that is, it, that has been set up and conspired against them, where all of the, you know, the, the founding fathers and every, uh, the Christian influences in our country have made it such that. Uh, if you live in America and you're gay, the reason you're more likely to kill yourself is because we're not
0: inclusive. That. But Can Sweden, I cut, however, hold on, oh yeah, hold on. we we got to hit this because this is a true story. So Caleb, you know that I'm an NRA instructor, right? That mm-hmm. I teach firearms courses. Okay. So we had one uh, lesbian uh, firearms instructor, okay, that I taught with for years and years, and she got us in touch with some local group, some homosexual group that was going over basically, you know, it was the outcry group for how badly they're treated and they are abused and they, you know, need protection and all this stuff. Well, our group was like, well, how about you take some firearms classes and learn how to use a gun? And all of a sudden, you're not going to be abused anymore. We're like, right. "We'll teach you." You know, we this is what we do, is firearms classes. Do you want to know what their response was? We talked to the folks that were in charge. They're like, "Well, if we all get guns and defend ourselves, then we'll no longer be a victim." <laughs> and then we won't have a platform to cry about. They did not. They didn't want the classes. That's well, and, le- and it,
1: <laughs> by <laughs> a large identity politics would pre- pre- prevent them from doing so because,
0: as soon as you're not part, a part, yeah.
1: Well, and also they're being told by the same people that are that are encouraging them to be gay rights activists are also encouraging them to be anti-gun because true, it happens because because to be that the, the left <laughs> happens. Yeah.
0: Yep. The left is a package. You're not allowed to deviate yep. from the party line. Exactly. Okay, so So, Sweden. Can't wait. Sweden Sweden statistics. Here we go. So Sweden prides themselves
1: in being the most. I got something for you. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Everybody loves these statistics, right? You know, this is interesting. Give me a second
0: here. (laughs) Sorry, go ahead.
1: So Sweden prides themselves in being so inclusive of the gay gay rights that they legalized gay marriage, I think, back in 1940, and wow. it is now a crime in Sweden. Like, if, if you and I were Man, in Sweden right now, we, we would already that. be... <laughs> we would, if you speak out against and say, well, the Bible says it's wrong to be gay, yeah. this would be considered... Everything that we've said so far would be considered hate speech, and we would be sure. eligible for fines or imprisonment in Sweden right now because that's how inclusive and tolerant they are.
0: Wouldn't you love to <laughs> be a pastor over there? So,
1: according to
0: uh,
1: according to the uh, LGBTQ community, Sweden mm-hmm. is the best, most tolerant place to live. It's it is the it is the best, it, not only in Europe but in the world, uh, because they are the most gay friendly. However, the suicide rate there is three hundred percent higher among than- the gays in Sweden. So wow. it's, not, it's not how intolerant we are here in America because we're yeah, not sure. They are
0: the Christians. most tolerant.
1: They're the unless most tolerant country and the suicide rate is 300%.
0: Unless you're a Bible-believing Christian, then their tolerance kind of peters out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> a little bit.
1: <laughs> yeah, it, it, the funny thing is is that, that they were trying to fight trying to fight uh, bigotry there and say you, can't, you have to be tolerant and so now they've gone to the other extreme where they are intolerant and that's the way it's headed in this country unfortunately so another statistic that is very interesting so if you tell me and this is worldwide Mm -hmm. this is worldwide the age that you're you're going to die statistically if you become a homosexual person Mm -hmm. and patrick calls me up uh, Mm -hmm. how old are you patrick
0: uh 42
1: okay you have nine years left to live That's that's a fact statistically you die at 51 if I was uh, less, the than per, less than one less than one percent of gay men die of old age it just doesn't happen and and this is, applies to women and men as well 20 to 24 years um, less life expectancy and this doesn't matter where you live if you are homosexual so Caleb, can i that, ask
0: you something because yeah. this is going to be something we're going to bring up in a little while you know i don't know if i want to do you I mean, do you care if I go off on a rabbit trail and just yeah,
1: go for okay. it. I'm on one right now?
0: No, no, no. It, it, what you're talking about, though, brings up some points. OK, how I don't know how to ask this, but do you have any homosexual um, folks that are friends of yours that you work with that you interact with on any kind of a regular basis?
1: Uh, yes.
0: OK, so. I have Depends a how
1: close you consider, but yes.
0: Yeah. No, no, no. But I, I, yeah. I, I get it. But, you know, folks that you, you see in public and you know well enough, you're going to say hi to them and, you know, you're going to run into them regularly. Mm-hmm. You want to know what, where I run into most of my what I would call homosexual friends is, no. is when I go to an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting. Hmm. The number of homosexuals that have serious substance abuse issues was really staggering. And do you know much about Alcoholics Anonymous and the way it works?
1: Not too much, no.
0: Okay. So obviously you have meetings and there's a book, okay. Alcoholics Anonymous, big book. And you've heard of the 12 steps, right? Right. Okay. An alcoholic is going to go and get a sponsor, and that sponsor is someone that has been through the 12 steps, and they are going to help them read through the book and explain the program and take them through the 12 steps. I am currently sponsoring three guys. I am regularly sponsoring a bunch of guys in this program. I have sponsored multiple homosexual men in Alcoholics Anonymous. So we have not only spent a lot of time together, but we have also talked about very intimate personal details of our lives. And I can tell you across the board, substance abuse and drug abuse is a big part of homosexual acts, especially a person's first homosexual act. Because it just is not easy to do. And the way to get around it is to be loaded on drugs and booze. And I have heard that story from so many homosexual men. And I've had very candid conversations with these guys that have asked me to sponsor them. And Caleb, every one of these guys knows who I am. They all know my beliefs on the Bible. I can't for the life of me figure out, you know why they asked me right. to be their sponsor, but they have. And, and I always say, yes, I'm, I'm happy to help anyone, you know, uh, conquer alcoholism and drug addiction. But with that, we've talked a lot about this and I can tell you from <clears throat> what I guess we would call secondhand information that, you know, cause I've spoken with enough of these men and somewhat, you know, interviewed them and talked to them over the years, the stories are all the same. And there is horrific abuse, especially with, uh, substance abuse. Go ahead. We'll pick up on this thread a little later.
1: That's, so that's interesting. So that's, um, I don't have a statistic on that. I, I did run across when I was looking up statistics, I did run across statistics on the CDC website and there is some statistics on substance abuse. I did not write them down, but I do know that it is, um, it it is a documented studied fact, but I would say my experience has been the same as yours. So I drive, Uber in Austin, Texas, and Austin is known uh, to be a very inclusive, um, friendly, gay-friendly city.
0: The and, Sweden uh, is middle Texas.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> in fact, there is a Fourth Street in Austin. If you go to Fourth Street, if you if, if if you pick up an Uber ride on Fourth Street, you are <laughs> picking up people from gay bars because that's what Fourth oh, okay. Street in Austin. Um, and I have noticed even around the college campus, uh, a lot of the young people that are going to University of Texas, Austin, um, they'll, they will talk pretty openly and freely about their sexual promiscuity. And oftentimes it will involve uh, homosexual things that have happened at parties and stuff when they were high or drunk mm-hmm. and they, they find out later, oh, yeah, this is what I was doing or this is who I was with so uh, again it's not a recommended thing it's not a healthy thing and once you once you mix drugs and alcohol uh, and end up out of your mind losing control of your faculties you're probably more likely to be sexually you know do perverse acts with whoever you're with whether it's male or female um and that's been my that has definitely been my experience personally um, so the um AIDS, when I was a kid, uh, mm-hmm. it was, this was kind of a less politically correct and politically sensitive issue years ago. Um, and I remember hearing people refer to it as grid. Have you ever heard that term grid? No,
0: No, it was okay. not referred to as grid. That was the original name of the disease. Okay. So correct. I'm going to tell you something. You, you know that just about a year ago I finished EMT school. One okay. of the uh, course extra credit reading assignments was a book called, And the Band Played On. And it was a case study by doctors about the AIDS epidemic in the 80s in both San Francisco and to a lesser extent in New York City with the homosexual communities in those two cities. Caleb, you would not believe what I could tell you about what I learned about homosexuality and that subculture from that book. And, and it was a case study. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't fiction. It wasn't nonfiction. It wasn't meant to be a documentary. It was, you know, they were going
1: from a moral religious perspective. Yeah, it was from
0: all from the medical perspective. Was to study. Virology. Right. And a new disease and the spread and, and everything. And it was unbelievable. But GRIDS, gay related immune deficiency syndrome, that was the original name. And right. there's a reason for it.
1: It's less politically correct. So we don't use that anymore.
0: Yeah. And obviously,
1: that, that was kind of a blanket term for several diseases. Sure. Uh, and I think the statistics was like syph- syphilis was 50, 50% of people in the US that that have syphilis, and I, I quoted a statistic here on um, the 3%, that was in 2013, so I don't know mm. if it's slightly higher now or not, but according to the CDC, in 2013, only 3% of people in America uh, were gay, but 50% of people with syphilis, uh, 75% of people with HIV, and there was another statistic, and I can't remember what it was, but I think it was 60%, were all among that 3%. So in other words, 70, 75% of the people that with, that with HIV-AIDS in the U.S. are among that 3%, which identify as homosexuals. Absolutely. And I did pull up this other, other statistic here. This is CDC.gov. Again, not a religious statistic here. This is not a Bible, st- <laughs> Bible statistic. But this is the CDC.gov. It says, um, studies have shown that while compared with the general population, gay and bisexual men, lesbian and transgender individuals are more likely to use alcohol and drugs, have higher rates of substance abuse, not withhold from alcohol and drug use, and conti- continue heavy drinking into later life. And then it goes on to give an ex- the, the reason for it, which it was their politically correct thing. It says alcohol and drug use among some gay and bisexual men can be a reaction to homophobia, homophobia <laughs> discrimination, <laughs> or violence they experience due to their sexual orientation and can contribute to other mental health and physical problems, it can disrupt relationships, employment, and threaten financial stability. So that would be what they would say, well, I turned to substance abuse because I was discriminated against. Again, Sweden proves that that's not a fact. That's actually doesn't work. But it goes on to say, for some gay and bisexual men, alcohol and illegal drug use, especially methamphetamines, and drugs used to treat erectile dysfunction when a man has a hard time keeping an erection during sex also contribute to a higher chance of getting HIV and other STDs. I'm not sure. Wow. It's hard to, anyway, I won't, I won't go there, but this is on the CDC website. Yeah. This is on the CDC website. They're saying, apparently it's hard to, you know, it's hard to,
0: hard to keep it up. Caleb, there is a reason it is a forced lifestyle. And the thing is, once you get into it, especially once you get into it in a major city and you get into it with a subculture, it is almost impossible to leave because your whole identity is this sin. And and everything about you and everything about everything you do, it is all wrapped up in this one thing. Caleb, during this, this case study that you can read about, they had folks that were finally going into these cities and meeting with these men that had this disease and keep in mind at the time they didn't even know what it was. They just knew that young homosexual men had the same symptoms and they were dropping dead of some strange disease that we can't even, we can't even test for. We don't even know what it is right now. So they were doing as much research on these guys as possible when they would interview them in a doctor's office, they would ask these guys, how many sexual partners have you had? And they're like, well, define a sexual partner. And they said, anyone, um, you know, physical or, you know, um, normal intercourse, uh, anal sex, oral sex, any of these things, these guys would say "Um, somewhere around five or 6,000. And the person with the doctor taking these statistics on this questionnaire was like, I'm sorry, what did you say? They're like, yeah, somewhere around five or 6,000. They're like, tell me your age again. They're like 28. (laughs) Caleb it, and they followed up with all these questions and it was not abnormal for any of these men to have six or a dozen sexual partners in a weekend. And that's what they would do is they'd go from one place to another and they would go to these different, bars and parties and nightclubs and bathhouses and whatnot. And the the purpose was simple. It it was not what the public and Hollywood tries to paint it as is, Oh, they're just two guys that are in love. They're just the guys next door, you know, living a normal life. That's not what it was at all. It was sexual perversion to a degree that most of us could not even comprehend. And that was the norm. Okay. So, go ahead i'm going to
1: do i'm going to just give you one more thing which uh, agrees with with what you just said there and this is a study that was carried out by a gay couple in sweden um and this is oh, interesting they really
0: is- fast really fast one of the doctors that put on the study was a homosexual uh, okay he was trying to make i mean he, you know there was no reason for skewing the numbers or cooking the books. The goal was to figure out what's killing everyone in his society. Go ahead. Sorry.
1: Well, so this couple, they, they, um, they surveyed 2,583 gay married couples. So these Mm -hmm. are people that are committed to it. They're openly committed to be this gay marriage. Got it. Okay. So out of 2,583, not a single couple, was able to keep it monogamous. There was not even one out of the 2,583. The average said that they had between 100 and 500 sexual partners.
0: That's it. People might not believe what you just said or believe that their ears are working because you just said literally not one homosexual married couple claimed to be monogamous when they were interviewed and asked the question. and these weren't
1: these weren't just people that were they found at a gay bar. These were gay yeah. married, married people that were trying
0: to I stay committed, and they're like, "Yeah,
1: well, it doesn't really work." Uh, we got I've uh, had between 100 and 500, even though I was married,
0: even though I was married. That's how many additional partners I had, and I know these numbers are so large that they sound insane. Caleb, I could not imagine having an affair with one woman. I seriously right. could not imagine having the time or the energy or the mental capacity to put up with that, if, let alone <laughs> hundreds and hundreds. It it sounds impossible and insane until you actually see the numbers for yourself and talk to these folks and 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 read the article. Okay.
1: Yeah. So that uh, that's all. I'll, I'll bring on statistics for thirty minutes or forty. 49 no, minutes into
0: it. <laughs> I, I do want to cover a couple other ideas, but this is one of the big ones because the issue that is often brought up is the idea that biologically I was made a homosexual, I was born this way, this is who I am. The funniest thing about this, if you look into it, and I was trying to find the dates and I just could not do it. I've read the articles before. And for some reason, I couldn't find them today when I was doing a little bit of prep work. But you find out that this born this way, this is who I am. It's biological. This was not even an argument until somewhere in the 90s. And it was brought up to the community that if they were born this way, then all of a sudden they could file for minority status and they could get certain privileges. So they shifted gears. The whole homosexual community did and said, yep, this is us. We're born this way. We're made this way. It's not a choice. It's not a a lifestyle that we choose. We have, we have no choice in the matter. Now, it's been repeated so many times for so many years that that is everyone's fallback defense. Caleb, who are you to deny someone? This is the way they were born. God made them this way, yada, yada, yada. And you hear all these... It
1: takes the choice out of the matter at that
0: point. So now you're a bad guy because, Caleb, if you're going to be against homosexuals, you might as well be against Jews because God made them Jewish. Or you might as well be against you know, Laplanders, because those right. filthy critters, you know, we hate those folks. You pick whatever group of people you want, and you might as well just be against them. So all of a sudden, it puts the person that is against this act in on the defensive, because now they are against a group of people. So go over, give me your number one argument when someone says, Homosexuals—they were just made that way. They don't have a choice. What's your what's your go-to? I want to go back and forth on a couple of these.
1: So obviously we don't have a ton of time. So pretty quickly, I would say this: outside of a very, very rare and very few exceptions where somebody is possibly born with a birth defect and there's mm-hmm. actual a physical deformity, um, the the fact is, we're all born with a tendency to sin. I want to go and have sex with every beautiful woman that I see. That's mm-hmm. You know, by default, I'm a, you know, I don't know if I'm quite as bad as uh, Solomon. Sure. <laughs> but but I find women, beautiful women, to be attractive. And mm-hmm. so just because I want to have sex with other women doesn't mean that it's okay for You're me an either. adulterer. So if,
0: you weren't so born yes, an adulterer.
1: Exactly. I was not born an adulterer or a, uh, or, or a thief or anything else. Those are decisions. They're choices that I make. And me... Blaming that choice or that weakness that I may or may not have on God is a is kind of a cheap shot, and it's not claiming personal responsibility. And I think that just from a responsible uh, humanistic point of view, uh, we're taking our future and we're we're giving we're giving our personal responsibility away. Our, the, we're, we are in charge of our destiny. We're in charge of of the choices that we make. And I don't believe there's any force or a ten- tendency that's so powerful that we, that we don't have the will to not act on it. Jesus would have been tempted by the same uh, sexual desires that other humans are, and he didn't act on it. Um, I can say for myself, even though I'm attracted to other women, I've only ever kissed my wife. I've never been with another woman. Um, and so that's been a choice that I've made. It's, it's not that I don't find other women to still be attractive, but I make the choice to say I'm not going to act on this attraction that I have. So I, I don't think that it's fair. I think that it's, I think it's unfair to somebody else that's choosing not to, to just give way to their lust. It's unfair to me as an as, a, as another individual as a Christian who chooses to have uh, control over myself to say, well, I don't have any control over this. I was born this way. That's just a cheap shot. It's it's a it's an easy cop out, in my opinion.
0: So let me ask you a couple of questions. Are people born as a pedophile? No. Are people born as a zoophile? Now, if you don't know what some of these words mean, I can tell you because I got the definitions. That would be bestiality. Bestiality. A person that partakes in bestiality is called a zoophile. For those of you that don't know what bestiality means, that's sex with animals and the Bible also forbids it. Okay, Caleb, are people born a necrophile? No. No for those that don't know, necrophilia is sex with dead people. And you think, oh, Patrick, that's disgusting. That's ridiculous. How could you even compare homosexuality to bestiality or necrophilia? Well, I do because they're all sexual perversions. They're all listed on the same page of the Bible with other sexual perversions, and God forbids them all because people do it. Just so you know, necrophilia, sex with dead people, is allowed in several countries. If you go to the wonderful, beautiful, rolling, sandy hills of Iraq, you can find out that you're allowed to have sex with your dead wife for up to 12 minutes after she dies. Do you know that? Not know that, but well, get ready, folks. Because if you haven't found a reason to take your kids out of public school yet, wait until someone starts teaching them that because it is coming, it's just another sexual perversion. So, people are not born in any of these ways, it is a decision that we make. This would be
1: the point of this should be the point of the show where we let people know that if your kids are watching with you, you should probably pause the video.
0: Well, I mean. Caleb, the, the title alone, you know, like what do you, for that matter, lock up their Bibles, okay? Just you know, take those away, or you know, rip out a good chunk of the Old Testament, or at least of the Pentateuch. Don't let them read it, okay, Caleb. Let me go over, <coughs> let me go over two ideas here with you. I'm going to try to do this briefly. I'm just going to let everyone know we are going over an hour tonight. Yeah, it looks two- like. It. Yeah. We have information. Right. To cover. We're going to do it. We're not getting back on here to try to do, you know, part two. We're just going to get through it. So I don't care if we go long. So I'm going to go over a couple of brief biological arguments against homosexuality. Number one is called the twin study. Do you know what the twin study is, Caleb? I do not. The twin study is used oftentimes because identical twins have something in common that is amazing. They have identical DNA, not similar, identical. You and your brother and your sisters have similar DNA, half from your mom, half from your dad. Identical twins have identical DNA. So the argument used today by the homosexual political advocates is the simple one. Homosexuality is innate. You are born that way and therefore homosexuals must have their homosexual acts and lifestyles protected as human rights. That's what they are pushing for. But if homosexuality is a choice, then it is not innate. It is a sin as God describes it. Enter the twin study. You take a pair of identical twins, their DNA is identical, literally identical. Well, if one is a homosexual, then both of them should be. If it's innate, because their DNA is identical. But guess what, Caleb? That's not the case. You can find identical twins where one of them is a homosexual and the other one is happily married with kids. Right. Science shows us that you are not born with it. Now, again, Caleb, and this is anecdotal. But I can tell you from every homosexual friend, every lesbian friend I have ever had where we have been close enough where we could talk about these things and I could be very honest with them, every single one, are you ready for this, Caleb? I am saying every single one comes from a childhood of horrible abuse, period. I have yet to meet the homosexual that did not come from an abusive background. And just like I used alcohol and drugs to escape, okay, you know, my demons, those little voices in my head that just wouldn't shut up, a lot of other people will go to homosexuality. Talk to any lesbians that you know and you meet, they all seem to have this one thing in common, They all really hate men. Now, Caleb, I'm heterosexual. I love women. I'm attracted to women. I don't hate men. What's the reason behind that? There is usually a case of abuse that happened in the young girl's life with a male figure, one of authority, oftentimes a father or a relative, or like I said, someone in authority, and that has caused them to withdraw and have a bad experience with a man and then find acceptance and comfort in this other group of women that share their hatred toward all things men. Okay, let me give you you another one. As far as biological arguments against homosexuality. So, Caleb, if homosexuality were innate, that would mean, again, that it is in our DNA. Do you know how you pass on your DNA to your children, Caleb? Through reproduction. (laughs) Through reproduction, through procreation.
1: So they would have gone extinct a long time
0: ago. got it. If there were a gene in your DNA that made you a biological homosexual, then it is clearly a recessive gene because no one else is ever getting it.
1: And also, speaking of that, as far as with the biological issue, they have, science has just never happened to find the gay gene. It just doesn't exist. So, that argument.
0: (laughs) They'll come up with one. Okay. So, So, now, let's not forget, since this is Bible Thumper, a logical, biblical argument. Caleb, what's the main purpose of marriage? To be free. That's it. Genesis 1 verses 27 and 28. So God created man in his own image and the image of God created he him male and female. That's not a parenthetical insert. That's me quoting what God said in Genesis 1 male and female created he them and God blessed them and God said unto them. Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. There is no such thing as multiplying as a homosexual couple. Caleb, because homosexuals cannot reproduce, do you know what they do? They recruit. That is why there is such a push everywhere because there is no way to produce a whole bunch of other little homosexuals. So now what they're doing is they're getting your kids in the schools. And anytime a kid is having a hard time in school and they go to the guidance counselor, the guidance counselor goes over some questions and says, well, have you ever considered the idea that you're homosexual? There's nothing right. wrong with that. Okay. Caleb, well, go ahead.
1: Uh, some, something there is, that I've always taken issue with is uh, the, the idea that, that a, a gay man is only attracted to, to men and not to women. I, I find that to be nonsense. Uh, there, may, there may be a few that are, but by and large they're, they're known to be just as promiscuous with men as they are with women. Most of them, mm-hmm. if they're honest, they would call themselves bisexuals uh, because the fact is, is that no matter how hard you try to force it, it is some, somewhat hardwired in, us where uh, you can pretend to be a gay person but you're probably attracted to women and if they're that promiscuous you know hundreds of partners the chances are they are they are um, reproducing as well uh, it just doesn't work if you're if you're if you're gonna stick strictly within the gay community yeah they, they obviously have to stray outside of that
0: okay Caleb I am going to make a couple of statements here, and I want to hear your take on it. You and I were discussing this earlier in the day. Same-sex attraction. You ready for this? I'm going to make a statement, and some there are going to be a lot of Christians that don't like this. Same-sex attraction is not a sin. Now, we can debate that, and I understand where we would come from, and, and we'll get around to that point, but Same-sex attraction is not a sin. Same-sex acts are a sin. Okay, so here's the idea. Every human has some sexual desire that is forbidden. Do you know why this is, Caleb? What's this? Every human has some sexual desire that is forbidden by God. Do you know why that is?
1: Because we have a fallen in
0: nature and so was we're sinners all, you right. got it okay that's what it is this thought is not sinful the act is sinful the idea here is no different than a woman who has a thought about cheating on her husband or a young couple having thoughts of sex prior to marriage it is the act that is sinful Our job as Christians is to go to God and receive the strength to resist sin. The thought, now now the Bible goes further because Jesus Jesus raises the bar in the New Testament. So as a man, we know that I am not allowed to have an extramarital affair. And we read about that in the Old Testament. And then Jesus comes along and he says, yep, not allowed to uh, have an extramarital affair. But on top of that, If you even look at a woman with lust in your heart, it is the same as being an adulterer. And everyone was like, wow, you really raised the bar on us. So Caleb, I am not going to have an adulterous affair. Let's say that I had a thought about it. I still decide I am not going to do that, but I go one further and what I do is I go to God, and I pray, and I say, God, I don't even want to look at women with a lustful thought. That is the goal for the Christian man, and in the same way, anyone that I know who has committed homosexual acts has been a part of that culture, and Caleb, I have led multiple homosexuals to Christ got on my knees and prayed with them with the Bible open, gone over the verses. They repented of their sin. They called on Jesus to forgive them and save them because they wanted to go to heaven. It was wonderful. Before
1: Or after you beat them over the head of the Bible.
0: (laughs) Yeah. When they finally came to, and (laughs) okay, so I've led people to the Lord, um, straight and homosexual. And, And the goal is just like with every other Christian, I want to help any Christian overcome their sin. And if I have a friend, a young man who has committed homosexual acts, has homosexual thoughts, we're going to do the same thing as a young heterosexual man that has had lustful thoughts about women, just like the man had lustful thoughts about men. We are going to Um, go to God and pray and ask for the strength to stay away from that sin, and then we are going to work with God to give us the strength to not even have those lustful thoughts. It's no different, but remember, having a sexually perverse thought is very different than having a sexual perverse action, and God can give us the strength. God can free us from sin. God can have us overcome these sins. Your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, so same-sex attraction, obviously, this is where, where it starts. It first starts with a thought, with a Curiosity, desire.
0: and a thought, and, and, and a temptation.
1: Right, and so to me, I don't think I would be hard on somebody that if somebody tells me I have a tendency to be attracted to other guys, no big deal, all right? I'm attracted yep. to other women. Um, I have a tendency to lust after nice pickup trucks when I see them on the road. I mean, you name it, we can be covetous. We can be, uh, we can lust after things. Yes. um, That is, that is an issue that we should try to control. It is, it is a sin to lust. Mm -hmm. Um, That is, but that is totally different than acting on it. So somebody that um, if somebody is not sexually active and they're attracted to uh, the same gender, And they're not living with a person. They're not doing an act with the person. Uh, They're not watching pornography. They have this thought in the back of their mind that that they think that for for whatever reason that they believe that that this is how they identify, this is how they, they're a same-sex attracted person. Um, They are, they're a sinner just like anybody else, but they're not living in a lifestyle of sin. They're not committed to living a lifestyle of sin. And so to me, uh, praise God uh, for them. And for the fact that they're able to live above sin, because if you, if you, uh, if you have that thought that, that rolls around every, you know, once a week or once a month and you don't act on it, you're no different than anybody else.
0: Yeah. Uh, you we all, we all have temptations. You're successful. Yeah. yeah and Caleb. go ahead.
1: I'm probably a better Christian than myself, because <laughs> I'm fortunately, you know, fortunately for me, i 'm um, able to um, you know i'm i 'm a married man, and so for me there's uh, there's it, it's it 's easier for me to stay within the confines of god 's plan it's, and when he says this is supposed to happen between a man and a woman in a marriage well fortunately for me i 'm the luckiest man in the world because I am a married man and so for me to to look at somebody that is same sex attracted but isn 't acting on it um, they are showing extreme uh, moral character and extreme devotion to God because they're choosing to say, you know what, as a Christian, I'm not going to act on this. Mm-hmm. Then I don't I don't consider them to be a gay person. They're not a homosexual. They're not acting on it. They are a Christian that is abstaining from sex because, you know, whatever reason, whatever desires they do or don't have, um, they have found that this is where they're at in their life. And um, the Bible is very clear that you don't have to be a married Person in order to be a Christian, Paul even says it's actually recommended that you don't marry because you can focus all your energy on God. So for somebody that isn't attracted to a woman and they're not getting married, or for a woman that's not attracted to a man man and they're not getting married, they're not living in sin. um, They are, to me, they're just a Christian. They're a Christian that has a tendency to a sexual perversion, but they're not acting on it. And so, yeah.
0: Caleb, have you ever met a young Christian couple? who was dating or courting, they were engaged, they were planning on being married and they had Mm -hmm. no desire to be physically intimate with one another? Uh,
1: No. And if I I did meet them, I'm not sure that I would recommend they follow through with marriage.
0: Yeah, (laughs) there's something something wrong. So every one of us that meets that young Christian couple that is living uh, a life of abstinence until their wedding day, they're saving themselves for their spouse, is it safe to say that every single one of them would like to jump in the sack or take a roll in the hay with their... Right. Okay. But they don't. Now, some do, but lots don't. That is not a sin.
1: I would say it's the other way around. Some don't, <laughs> but lots do. But
0: anyways, <laughs> oh, <to> yeah. <laughs> Okay. They are not fornicators because of that thought. You're a fornicator when you act on that thought. Right. In the same way, this this is exactly what we're talking about. You're not an adulterer because you had a thought about cheating on your spouse. A lot of people have a thought and they don't do it. Well, good for you. That's the way it's supposed to work. We have the flesh and the devil and the world working against uh, our flesh uh, and the lust of our flesh, and they're all trying to get us to sin. The the Christian is the one that is tempted, but doesn't sin. That's not a bad thing. I'll give you scripture on that. Hebrews chapter four, verse 15, for we have not an high priest, which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted, like as we are yet without sin. Jesus was tempted. Jesus had a body of flesh. He just didn't sin. The idea that he had temptation, that wasn't a sin. We know that Jesus didn't sin. That's the point that we're talking about. If I met a young couple and they got engaged and their wedding was a year and a half away, which by the way, is like the stupidest thing you could possibly do if you're a young couple, Christian couple in my mind. if that were the case and you had been very good and you were able to stay away from each other, keep your hands off each other. And then one night you, you have, you have a, uh, you slip up and you have a makeout session in the back of your car. And then halfway through, you're like, okay, we got to stop this. This isn't okay. Again. I wouldn't say that those people are fornicators. They are people that were tempted. They messed up with something. They don't want to do it. They get back on track. They get right with God. They're not sinning anymore. And that is the picture of the successful Christian life you see, there's Except sin that that, that almost never happens oh, but you it. <laughs> yeah. <I> know, <laughs> well, if you're
1: yeah. if you're dating and you start fornicating it's pretty hard to stop yeah usually you, you, need usually you need to just
0: get married <laughs> sex session is a baby <laughs> so but you see what i'm saying when right when someone that's the deal with with Christians and sin and 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 we talked about this folks and if you want you can go back to May 29th of 2020 and that covers the problem that Caleb and I are talking about here and you can listen to that podcast but we're, we don't need to revisit the whole what thing was
1: that what was it called sex before uh, marriage? I lived
0: with my boyfriend before getting married okay. yeah that was the that was the topic okay. Next subject, um, how about homosexual marriage? Now, this is an easy one for me, but if you want to take a swing at this first, I'm fine with it.
1: Yeah, no, go ahead. It's okay.
0: an oxymoron. The it is. Anyway, Wait, <laughs> this is an easy one. There is no such thing as homosexual marriage. Right. Mike dropped. That's it.
1: And The, it's, the statistics go to prove that even if it were a thing, it wouldn't work <laughs> because they can't. <laughs>
0: So let me ask you this question, Caleb. Who invented marriage? God. God did. Well, if God invented marriage, then what does he get to make surrounding marriage? What else does he get to make up? He's the one that sets the rules. He He, he makes the rules. He sets the parameters. And in Genesis chapter 2, starting in verse 21, and the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs... And we know the story there. And Adam said, this is now bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall be one flesh. God made marriage. God defines the parameters of the union he just invented. God created marriage. And then he said, it is for a man. It is for a woman. Now, let me ask you another one. Why did God make a wife? For Adam.
1: Well, it says that he saw that it's not good for the man to be alone.
0: That's right. In verse 18, and the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him and help meet for him. So Adam was not complete without his wife. God made man and woman very different. I'm going to repeat that. God made man and woman very different. And he did that on purpose. And God had a plan for the husband to complete his wife and the wife to complete the husband. They both provided something that the other needed in the marriage. That's what God did. And then over 4,000 years later in Matthew 19 verses 4 and 5, Jesus covers marriage again and he defines it again the exact same way. He actually quotes from the portion of Genesis that we just talked about. So whenever someone brings up this idea of homosexual marriage, I just go to, uh, they're not married. No, no, no. They got a marriage certificate. Really? Did God sign it? Because God's the one that invented marriage. So he makes up the rules. So if they're married, then I'm an astronaut. Right. So Caleb, if I were to tell you that I just finished celebrating Ramadan Would you believe me? No. Why not?
1: Uh, Because you're not a Muslim.
0: Because I'm not a Muslim. Okay. In the same way, unless you're a man and a woman, you can't be married. God invented it. He defined it. It's a man and a woman. There's a precursor to being married it's being a man and a woman. There's a precursor to celebrating Ramadan. You're a Muslim. Right. <laughs> okay. Think of, think of this <clears throat> when people say, well, it's just about love and they, and and a homosexual man, a gay man should be able to get married. You want to know what I say? A gay man is allowed to get married in all 50 States in America. A gay man can marry any woman that he asks to marry him who says, yes, if he proposes and she says, yes, he's allowed to get married in every state in America. Now, if you're talking about him and another dude, well, no, sorry, that's not marriage. I don't know what that is. And if the homosexual community wants to come up with their own thing, have at it. You can come, you've, you've already come up with a bunch of nonsense. You can come up with one more thing. You don't need my approval to do it, right? But you can't call it marriage. Sorry. That one's taken and it's by the Christian god. Okay, C- Caleb. Last point and I think we'll be done. We'll probably wrap this up at an hour and a half. How do we as Christians treat homosexuals?
1: Well, that's where that's where I think it's probably been botched the most and where <clears throat> Where the response to the botched response then ends up becoming a more botched response, where we start compromising on truth, and we're like, "Oh, well, maybe we should be more inclusive," and so we'll just say, "Well, we we're gonna
0: overcorrect."
1: Yeah, and that's to me that's where the where the church in America is right now. We've gone from saying, "All right, well, you guys are accusing us of being uh, non-inclusive, hateful, hateful yeah. homophobic, whatever," and so. So we're going to go prove how inclusive we are and we're going to have uh, a gay pastor in our church and we're going to yep. put the gay pride flag out and we're going to
0: promote going to throw the Bible away
1: <laughs> or yeah, or rewrite the Bible to try to say that it, that it uh, is okay with this. So to me, the, the Christian response to any sin should, we should look at Jesus because as followers of Christ, you can't, uh, you can't, be anything other than a follower of christ if you're a christian to me that's the definition of being a christian is following jesus and mm-hmm. jesus he took a very hardline approach on sin but yet he was very loving in the meantime and i mentioned this this uh story that we all know where jesus doesn't cast the first stone at the woman and it's it's recorded in in john here and this is this is I think this should be the same kind of mindset that we have when we approach this. We don't compromise on truth, but we're not eager to, we're not eager to kill somebody because of their sin. We should be eager to love somebody and point them to Christ and yet stand very, very firm on the truth of God's word. So to me, the Christian response should be much like Jesus. So the, in, in John chapter eight, um, and I'm not going to. Okay, I'm not going to read the whole. I'm not going to read the whole entire thing. What? So, um, but I am going to read the first probably ten verses here. So Jesus went to the Mount of Olives, and early in the morning he came again into the temple, and all the people came unto him, and he sat down and taught them. And the scribes and Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they said unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what sayest thou? This they said, tempting him that they might, have, uh, that they might accuse him. But Jesus stooped down with his finger and wrote on the ground as though he heard them not. So when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him... First cast a stone at her, and again he stooped down and he wrote on the ground, and they which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning the eldest even unto the last. And Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had lifted him up himself, he saw none but the woman, and he said unto her, Woman, where are those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? She said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. So I think that Jesus doesn't condemn the sinner. He condemns the sin, but he says, go and sin no more. And I think that's what we as Christians, that's what our messaging around this should be. That's what our response to this should be. Much like Jesus, where, where we don't pick up and cast the first stone, where we, and I think that, that this would be a kinder, gentler version of the Old Testament law. It was a capital crime. Jesus had the right to kill her. Uh, Jesus had the right to cast the first stone. He's still, it's still an abomination. It's still I believe it's repeated as as a capital crime in the New Testament, Uh, but we're not going around and uh, locking people's heads off with a sword as Christians, as that, that isn't our response. Our response should be like Jesus. We say, yes, this is wrong. What you're doing is wrong, but I'm not going to condemn you. I'm just saying, go and sin no more. And so I think that we, that uh, that should be our response and our response in order to soften the blow of the fact that God still condemns what's going on. Our response should not be to water down the truth and say, oh, well, maybe this is, you know, this is modern times. And this was an old book and, and they didn't understand it like we understand it now. and And so we're going to accept this and we're going to vote on this. No, I think we can draw a very hard line with it and say God says no we say no don't do it it's wrong if you're going to be a christian you need to cut it out knock it off Don't be sleeping around with other guys other girls it's marriage is between a man and a woman and sex happens only within a marriage and and we can be very very clear on that but we don't have to be hateful to, toward people that are non-christians people aren't that aren't following christ that aren't following this his commands and and they want to live in this lifestyle um, i don't think the first thing that we do when we approach them is to beat them over the head of the Bible and say, Hey, you're gay and God hates you. That's just not, that's not the response.
0: Yeah. And really that tactic doesn't work with anyone. I've never led some of the Lord <laughs> right. parting out guns blazing. So let me give you, let me give you the, the idea because I believe there are two answers to this. The first one is for uh, a homosexual that is not saved. So first Caleb, I treat a homosexual the same way I treat everybody, right? They're a human being and I treat them like one. That's it. I'm kind. I'm polite. I'm personable. That's how I treat everybody. Even people that I really don't like. And to be honest with you, okay. Some folks aren't going to like this. I like non-saved homosexuals a lot more than Christians who try to tell me that there's nothing wrong with homosexuality. Right. I can put up with them. I can be honest with them. They're honest with me. We can have a frank conversation. Christians that try to tell me there's nothing wrong with homosexuality and I need to to be accepting of that sin, that makes me want to throw up. And they are absolutely flat stupid. So back to the homosexual. I have a desire to give them the gospel, to see them saved, and to get them baptized. That's my desire, just like everybody else that's not saved. I always invite them to come and visit my church, and prior to being a pastor, I would invite them to come and visit whatever church I was attending, and once in a while, they would accept. Most of them didn't stick around, but I treated... Any homosexual I ran into, any lesbian I ran into, the same way I treat everybody else. Now, a homosexual that considers themselves saved is another story. I treat them the same way that I would treat a Christian couple that is living together and not married. The goal then is to help them overcome that sin. That's my goal with any of my Christian friends, any of the people that attend my church, every church member at my church, my family, anyone in my life who is saved, my goal is to help them be a better Christian. I want them to read their Bible. I want them to pray. I want to help them in any way I can uh, to overcome whatever sin is in their life that they're struggling with. The only time it's an issue is when they're not struggling with a sin they are just openly living in rebellion to God where they don't care they're not trying to stop they're just it's the young couple that's not married that's living together and they're perfectly happy jumping in the sack and having premarital sex every day of the week that's an issue It's not an issue when someone is struggling with sin and you are trying to help them overcome it. That's the goal of the body of Christ. And a homosexual is absolutely no different. Do you see any problem with that?
1: No, and actually, um, I do see that this is where where I think the Christians are justified in being a lot more picky Mm -hmm. about Homosexuality than we are about other sins, and this is what this is where it becomes a technical issue. Where technically, sin is sin. Once you break God's law, we're all sinners. Every every bad thing is
0: yeah. They all keep us out of heaven. Sure.
1: Yeah. So when, like you just mentioned, and I I know that Patrick is consistent with this. It's not like um, it's not like he's just bringing this up as a hypothetical. Um, So I know of a situation where if I'm not mistaken, Patrick, you chose to quit eating and drinking with some friends of yours that were fornicating. Yes. Because this is the biblical command. First Corinthians chapter five, is very, very clear on this. It says, it is reported commonly that there's fornication among you and such fornication as not so much as named among the Gentiles that one should have his father's wife and you're puffed up and have not rather mourned that he that hath done this deed might be taken away from among um, you. So this is a pretty abominable act that's happening here. And yet the Christian church is just turning a blind eye to it and and condoning it, accepting it. Um, so if you go on to uh, verse 9, it says, I wrote I wrote unto you an epistle not to com- not to company with fornicators, yet not altogether with the fornicators of this world. Or with the covetous or the extortioners or with idolaters, for them for then must needs you go out of the world. In other words, everybody's doing that. So you literally have to go to the moon.
0: Yeah. There's no but we're now, not trying to get the world to stop sinning.
1: Exactly. But now I've written unto you, do not keep company. If any man that is called a brother be a fornicator or covetous or an idolater or a railer or a drunkard or an extortioner, with such a one not to eat. For what have I to do to judge them that are without? Do you not judge them that are within but them that are without god judges therefore put away from among yourselves that wicked person so i think what you're what you're saying here is consistent in that christians should be consistent with anyone who's openly living in a lifestyle of sin if your friends are telling you yeah we're we're living together and we're not married that's not like that's not like me calling you and saying you uh telling you patrick i messed up i was out drinking with my buddies and there was this yep. really pretty girl and I, I messed up it and I cheated on my wife Yep. and you'd be like, Oh man, that's terrible. terrible. And you're not going to keep doing that. Are you? And if, as long as I'm repentant and I'm not saying, Oh I'm actually going back to her house tonight and we're sure. going to move in together. Then yeah, it's a sin. It's, it's terrible. The consequences are horrible. Uh, it, it breaks the trust in my marriage. It's the worst thing I could think of doing, awesome. but it, yet it's not, it's not as bad as continuing in it. So it would, be a, right. it would be a grave, terrible sin. But if I say I'm moving in with a woman that I'm not married to, I'm leaving my wife, or I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to live with a man that, I, that, I'm, mm-hmm. that, that God commands me not to live with, then it is, it's an unrepentant lifestyle of sin where I'm not following Christ, but I'm following my sexual perversion.
0: Yeah, I've had to have that conversation with multiple people uh, multiple couples over the years. Some take it really well. Uh, others take it really poorly, and I never never hear from them again. But the fact is, uh, it's the same idea. When we're dealing with sexual perversion and fornication, there's a difference between, I messed up and I did this sin, and I don't care what God's law says. I'm going to do whatever I want. And that's the same, the same idea between the young couple that's not married and moves in together or the, the man who uh, commits a homosexual act versus the man that says, I don't care what the Bible says. I'm going to keep doing this and uh, that's my life and I don't care what God says. There's a big difference. And that's why I brought up the idea that, well, there's different ways of dealing with this depending on who the person is, are they saved? Are they not saved? Is it an issue that they are now trying to get over? Because you got to remember, Caleb, when we're talking about this portion of scripture in first Corinthians five, and it's talking about, you know, fornicators, Caleb, every church out there has some young man or young woman that's plagued by this thing we call pornography. So, right. Again, is it something that they are trying to overcome, or is it something where they say, man, I don't really care what the Bible says. I'm going to do whatever I want.
1: I'm going to identify as a pornography addict. That's who I
0: am. That's who I am. That's what I do. No big deal. I'm going to identify as a homosexual. Nope. I'm just an adulterer. That's what I do. I really don't care what God's word says. I was born this way. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But that's really the idea. Now, Caleb, we've talked about this. We've touched on this portion of scripture before, and it is difficult. And I would challenge pastors to stand up and do what's right. And I would challenge Christians to stand up and do what's right. In this case, it is not easy, especially because of the world that we live in and sexual perversion and promiscuity are so rampant now that people are like, man, I don't even know where to start with this. Um, but, uh, keep in mind the whole purpose of that idea. And, and like I said, we talked about this in the past. You can go back to, I think it was May 29th of 2020 when we did the podcast on living together and fornication before, you know, before marriage, where we really dive into this, the whole purpose of this idea is to be redemptive. The idea is to help the brother get over the sin and get back to a right relationship with God. That is the goal. And when that's the goal, you you start to look at it in a different light. Caleb, I want to bring up one more point, because if you can believe it, I actually had a Christian brother uh, ask me about this last week, so I wanted to touch on it. So when we read through the Old Testament and the New Testament, we find out that God is very serious about the sin of homosexuality and over and over and over again uh, talks about how this crime was a capital crime. And they used to, just like several other capital crimes, they would bring them to the gate of the city and the witnesses would come forward and then they would stone them to death with stones. And they said, that's really harsh language. How does that work today? And how do you, you know, is that what you want us to do with homosexuals? No, no, it's not what we want you to do with homosexuals. People, for some reason, don't understand dispensationalism. They don't understand that the Bible is is broken up into events and time periods. When God wrote the law in the Pentateuch, you have to understand that there was a theocracy. Israel was run by judges, and the judges, when they would have an issue, would literally look up to heaven and pray, and then God would answer the judge. So God was running the nation of Israel at that time. After that, after that was changed in 1 Samuel, when all of a sudden the people said, we want a king, well, guess what? Now God said, Okay. You, you want a king? You got one. It's going to be terrible. Here's what it's going to be like, but now you got to obey the king. And then right. after that, you find out that the Romans took over and roughly 7 or 8 AD, the scepter was removed from Israel and the Romans took away the right of the Jewish people for the first time in 4,000 years to be able to execute criminals without a thumbs up from the Roman government. So for the first time, the Jews are no longer able to handle capital crimes on their own. They have to bring them before the Romans, and the Roman court would make a decision. That's why Jesus was brought to Pontius Pilate. And that's why he was crucified instead of being stoned to death. And there's reasons for this. But understand, no, the the form of government is not the same as it was at this time, and we don't we don't carry out sentences for spiritual, religious, or amoral crimes that we find in the Bible. So right. no, we that's not the way it's set up. That's not the way it works. Um, homosexuality is still a horrific act. It is still uh, a hated sin by God. Absolutely. It is an abomination. Uh, I think the Bible is very clear about that. And we said that, but no, as far as it goes there, no, there is no uh, capital crime for homosexuals anymore. So not in America, although it did happen here on these shores prior to America being founded back when uh, the first folks came over here. There were only a couple of capital crimes. And if you can believe it, homosexuality was still one of them. Uh, and there was, there's reason for that. And we we're not even getting into the history of a fallen nation and how sexual perversion becoming normalized is one of the very last dominoes to fall before a nation falls so far into disrepair that it can never come back and it disappears from history so we don't need to get into that, but you can go ahead and check me on that idea. That's one of the reasons we're concerned about where America is in accepting homosexuality. If you don't think America is accepting homosexuality, then please explain how on Netflix they were able to ruin Every single show I've ever liked by having to cram homosexual sexuality down my throat with some stupid characters that don't even apply to the plot of the show, but they're gay, so we gotta have them on the show and make a big flipping deal about it. I'm so pissed, I can't even watch t v anymore I hate it. even when I find a show, and I'm like, "Oh, this is a good one, like you know by halfway through season two, up oh, here here come the gay folks, you know. Right. <laughs> got to deal with this every time I try to watch a sitcom okay Caleb any last thoughts before we sign off
1: no uh, the only thing I would say is if if you or your friends um, happen to be gay or if you're watching this and you're gay uh, or have same-sex attraction whatever um, you might be in I'm sure that we've probably said things that are are quite offensive and this is obviously a controversial topic and I certainly not my reason or i believe patrick's reason in in discussing this is just to inflame passions on a controversial topic but i think that it is important as christians if you do have gay friends or lesbian friends that we would be armed with the word of god to be able to help people out of what i think is a dire critical situation that they're in no different than any other sin issue and so when when to me it bothers me, and I think you brought this up, Patrick, it bothers me very much when Christians, in order to be the nice guy, go the other way and say, ah, oh, it's all right, I just I love everybody, I'm not going to judge you because you're gay. Um, that's that's not the direction that a loving friend would, would uh, take. And so I would say, uh, we probably didn't say it the best way here, you might be able to say it better than we can, but if you're not willing to say it, um, share this with your friends if you have homosexual friends. Uh, maybe maybe they can watch it. They might be offended. Um, you might be offended if you're watching it now. But that's not the intent. The intent is the Bible says the truth will set you free, mm-hmm. and Christ uh, Christ has freedom for all of us from our sins, from our sexual perversions, whatever those things might be. So hopefully it's a message of hope rather than a message of condemnation. Jesus loves you. If you're gay, he loves you. He hates your sin just like he hates my sin, and we're all sinners just the same. It's just that this happens to be something that practically is, it, we, we are going to pick on it. We're Christians. Uh, God's hard on the sin. It's practically, it's just, it's a tough issue to deal with. We can't really be nice about it. We can't, we can't say, oh, it's all right. We'll, we'll go ahead and include you. It's just, unfortunately, this is, this is the way God hands it down and so we're sticking to it. So hopefully that, that would be um, the message here is it's the message of hope. There is freedom. If you identify as somebody that is homosexual, there's freedom from homosexuality in Christ. You can walk up and live above reproach and sin just like any other sin issue. And so hopefully hopefully that would be what you take from this, is that there's hope for you if you're gay. Um, you don't have to act on it. You can you can be attracted. You can have those thoughts, but you can live above sin just like any other sin through the power of the Holy Spirit and, and Christ being in, in you. So I think that's what we should be promoting as Christians, is freedom from sin, not endorsing sin.
0: I think that's... Uh... That's put really well. Um, I cannot love sin and God at the same time. I got to choose which master I'm going to serve. And it it is not being kind and loving to a stranger, to a friend, to a family member uh, to support their sin. That's not. What a Christian or a friend or a family member does for somebody that they love. Uh, So that is not acceptable. And keep in mind, one day you are going to stand before God and you're going to have to answer to him. You don't have to answer to Caleb and I, but you are going to have to answer to God for uh, your actions. You need to stand up for the Bible. You need to stand up for God. And like Caleb said, and I'm just repeating uh, some of his wisdom. Uh, Our goal is that folks get saved, they get baptized, they come to church, they read the Bible, they pray, and we help them to get on the straight and narrow, and we help them to. Uh, resist sin, and we help them to live righteous lives. That's that's our goal. And I am not being kind and loving to anyone if I am supporting and encouraging their homosexuality. I am actually doing the exact opposite. Right. It's an act of hatred. It's the same way when the Bible says, you can't say that you love your kids if you're not willing to discipline them. That's what the Bible says. If you're not spanking your kids, you don't love them. Can you believe that? The Bible says that. Yeah. It says you hate. It uses the word hate. You hate your kids if you don't spank them. And people think to themselves, well, that's hard and I don't want to do it and that's not comfortable. So therefore, I'm not going to do it. Okay, Um, It's a shame because whoever the homosexual is in your life that you know, they deserve a good friend. They don't deserve a loser like you. They deserve someone that would actually love them and help them that that's what needs to happen. That's what all of us need to do. If we're going to claim to love somebody, we need to bring them to Christ. We need to help them to live righteously. That's what a friend would do. Caleb, thank you so much for your time. I'm really glad you were on here uh, with me for this one. I'm glad that we went for an hour and 45 minutes. It was well worth it. Uh, We got a lot of uh, information out there and hopefully this will be a help to somebody so that's all i've got for you uh everybody have a good evening and uh with caleb we'll see you i think the first sunday night of july do you remember i don't remember what we're going over i don't even know if we picked anything yet
1: talk about something in the bible i
0: guess (laughs) there you go we'll talk about something in the bible so folks please uh get on our youtube channel or our facebook page and like and follow us please find us on your favorite um, podcast platform and subscribe and follow us there and share that around. It helps a lot. We're trying to get this message out and make good Christian biblical content for people to listen to. So thank you for joining us and we will see you next Sunday night.